stage of its own, you know, again, which is nothing new. It hadn't done it for several months, but uh, returned. So I mention all that. Please just pray for him. Um, he uh, actually, I think, passed out. So, uh, uh, but he's there, and uh, he's at Northwestern, so if we pray for him, pray for his family. morning I want to uh, take a little time um, and if you have your Bible turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. Um, I'm going to take a, a text out of uh, chapter Ephesians and uh, the whole chapter actually the, the two or three chapters in that I think are really dealing with what we should be it can be in the Lord and what God wants us to be and uh and there's things that we can do that really do oppose uh, what God's divine purpose is. And, um, and there, I think uh, <clears throat> kind of an illustration is uh, um, many times I'll leave after I get done with lunch on Sunday, come back to church, and, uh, and it's a good time for me. I get a chance to pray and study, and, uh, and the <clears throat> girls like to come with me. Which is good, and uh, and that's fine. They, I like my granddaughters to come with me. But I found, and I probably knew this, but I forgot uh, that if you don't give them uh, projects to do, uh, uh, they might find themselves in some sort of mischief. Um, and uh, so I've had to give them projects with uh, a certain amount of threats. 
say, listen, uh, while Grandpa's studying and praying, um, you better not disappoint me, uh, or I'm going to disappoint you. And uh, they know what I'm talking about. And I, and I think that when we look through the book of Ephesians, and we see down there, if you're down there in, in chapter 4, in verse number 30, and, and it's, I use that illustration because most parents quickly understand what I'm talking about. Um, if you're not giving your kids uh, things to do that are right, they're going to be doing things that are wrong. All right, that's uh, and so it's better than to leave them in some kind of limbo with wondering what they should do. Is give them uh, positive things that they can do and should do, and that's really what God does for us. Uh, he knows that if we're not doing His will, which uh, it's not a real problem there. We should know what his will is, and we should be uh, ever wanting to accomplish it. <clears throat> We're probably going to be getting into some kind of mischief, all right? And uh, and so the, the best way not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, I'm going to look at some of these verses here just to kind of give you a taste of, of what it could be if we get into mischief, um, but how the, the really the operation and, and effort of the Holy Spirit does work. And, uh, and I think that's the best way, not just to focus on the negative things that we do or could do, but understand what we're doing, we won't have an opportunity to, to behave in any way but uh, what would be pleasing to God. And uh, I, I, I'm sure that everyone here, uh, you wouldn't be here if you didn't desire to try to please God. You want to please God. You want to you honor Him. You want to do His will. You want to do not. The last thing you want to do is grieve the Spirit of God. So if you're in your Bible, let's let's stand as we read some verses together and uh, and we'll get kind of a taste for what he's speaking of. Uh, we're going to start in chapter number 4, um, starting in verse number 7. Chapter 4 and verse number 7. The Bible says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he left captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it? But that he is also descended first to the lower parts of the earth. He that descended, the same also ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, if you want to underline a thought, there's, there's the vein we're going to go in today, is that to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body, unto the edifying of itself and love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us an amazing gift 
And Lord, that we know that that gift has a purpose because it is you. It's a person. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you dwell in the hearts of the believer. And my Lord, we pray for those that are un uncertain whether you dwell in their hearts. Uh, Father, I pray that they'd give uh, understanding how important that salvation is, that they might be able to understand and know your will, desire to do it. I pray that you bless our time in your word and prayer, the time as Father that you give us the opportunity to hear it preached. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Then if you continue on, <clears throat> it says there is this mischievous part of us that if we're not given the will of God to do, uh, then the Holy Spirit is not involved in things that we do that are not right. Let me just put it that way. Um, and that when you're saved, when you're born again, I'm going to go over this tonight, is that he, you have a now a God-given conscience. Whereas your conscience before was only measured up to whatever standard uh, you thought was worthy. After that, now it begins to measure up to the stature of Christ. And that's a good thing, by the way. I'm so glad that we have a conscience. Uh, how many of you try to do something that you know uh, and somewhere you've learned along the line that's not right? And you try to justify it, you try to figure out a way to make it right, and yet your conscience is an ornery thing, all right? It just won't let you do uh, the things that you would. And, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit uses that. And uh, so it's a very positive thing. And by the way, let me say this, for parents especially, uh, you use a, a son or daughter's conscience. You are really, up until they get saved, even after they get saved to some degree, are the standard of righteousness of Christ. And you are the one that's the, the, kind of the bulwark of, of what your children see is right and wrong, all right? So you're building their conscience or, of truth just through you. You are, the, you are kind of the, uh, the, 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 the Lord in, the, in working in their life. And so that the more consistent you are in that, in that effort, the more they see that they fall short of the glory of God. And that's a good thing. They see that they need Christ. You bring up the fact that, hey, you're, you're, you're fulfilling what you are. You're a sinner. Sinners sin, all right? And the only way to overcome that is by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. And you need to put your faith in him and ask him for forgiveness and repent. Give your life to him. And that doesn't happen in a day or a week. It happens over, really, a, I think, over several years. Time. I usually, I, I, I often see kids between the age of five and eight, if their parents are consistent with them, they'll be, their conscience will begin to get a hold of them and say, well, I need to be saved. I need to be, I need to trust Christ. I want to be born again. And they know they're a sinner and they're not a, they haven't a problem understanding what sin is. Now, this isn't a part of the message, but it is a big part for, for parents to understand how valuable it is. And sometimes we want to let our kids do whatever they want to do. No, a lot of times they have to understand you are the standard. I've said it before. Sometimes you just need to tell your kids, even when they're not doing anything wrong, I just want you to sit there for a minute. And they say, well, why? It doesn't matter why. I just told you you need to sit there for a while. Because you are the authority. 
And you need to understand there's always authority in their life so that when they hear your voice, they think, oh, wow, authority. So when they hear God's voice, what are they going to think? Authority. God is an authority over my life. And so it's very important that we understand that. And especially when it comes to grieving the Holy Spirit of God. We're going to stay with the, in the book of Ephesians just for a second because I want you to see this other side. Uh, he says uh, in verse number 17, and he says, This I say, therefore, testifying that he henceforth not walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their under, understanding darkened through the alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that you've heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, which is after God, created in righteousness and true holiness. And it goes on to a list of things that we shouldn't do anymore. Uh, we don't give the devil an opportunity in verse 28. We don't steal. Uh, uh, we work with our hands, prepared to give to others that need it. No uh, wrong communication in, in verse number 29. And, of course, the verse that we, we read, or that our uh, verse of today, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. That, that's a nice thing, by the way. Some people never have the hope of uh, that's eternal security. That's one of the most glorious things. You think about if God seals you, you know, if you're in the hand of God and he seals you and, he's, and no man's going to pluck you out of his hand. You're sealed by the, by the righteousness of Christ, by the shed blood of Christ. He is, he, you're one of his children. And that's a glorious thing. Sometimes uh, believers are, are, are plagued and never go forward in their Christian life because they're not sure about salvation. Boy, when you become, and at the beginning, every person goes through this, until you learn what the Bible says about salvation, you're going to feel insecure. But the more you know about Christ, the more you know about his salvation, the more secure you'll be. We're going to look at some ideas here. Defining grieve, to offend, to displease, to provoke. <clears throat> grieve not the Holy Spirit. We went over that. To feel pain of mind or heart, to be in pain on account of an evil, to sorrow, to mourn, to grieve the loss of a friend or property. You think about it, that's, that is what we cause our Lord to go through. I don't know about you, but when you get saved and you understand what he has done for you, especially when you can go through and picture in your mind that the, the death that he went through, the suffering that he went through, and it's and it's best to look at it this way. Listen to me, girls. When you think about doing wrong, then you think about Jesus being on the cross. When your conscience is beginning to uh, nag you about the behavior or your actions or your words or even your thoughts, you say, now wait a minute. I'm bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in his body and spirit. I don't want, he's already suffered for me and my sins. Do I want to put my Savior through more grief? 
Do I want to grieve him because I'm his son? It's just like a mother or father. They see their son or daughter doing things they shouldn't do. Do I want to grieve mom and dad? I can actually remember when my parents, neither one were saved, but I, they did have a standard of right and wrong that we as, as their children should maintain. And one of them was smoking. <laughs> we didn't smoke. Wasn't supposed to smoke. And you know, I ran around with the wrong kids. And I, I so much, my mom, you know, she says, you know, I want you home by a certain time. And I, I've, I think I've given this illustration before, but I can remember I didn't want to displease my mom. And I can remember as much as my friends tried to coax me, and, and encourage me to say, you know, you've got a curfew. I've got to be in by, I think it was 10.30 or something like that. And they said, no, no, you can stay out. You can just call her and let her know. I said, no, I've got to go home. And I can remember they wouldn't let me get out of the car. I was in a, that was in the two-door hardtop at the time. I remember the car. It was a 64 Impala SS, red. And I was in the back seat between, and, and I couldn't get out. There was no second door to get out. And I, I'm, and I thought in my mind, I'm getting out of this car. I'm going home. I don't want to displease my mom. Mom is so looking for me to be, behave and be home. I literally, uh, the car was going about 50 miles an hour, bailed right out the window. Kids don't do that, by the way. The Lord is watching over me. <laughs> but listen to me. You want to please God. There's this idea you don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. And the best way I know is to say not be trying to stop doing the things you should, but get busy doing the things that you should. It's much easier to fight on the offense than the defense. Is you go out and you get busy, instead of trying to ward off the mischief that's in your heart, you determine and say, listen, I'm going to follow as the Lord would have me. I want you to see here. John chapter 3 and verse number 5 through 8. This is important. I think it's old hat to most of us, but I think it's good to review. Take your Bibles and turn there. The Gospel of John, here is the work bringing about new birth. If you think that <clears throat> we're not a part of that picture, what is the Holy Spirit doing in our lives? Providing opportunity for new birth. Look in verse chapter number 3, starting in verse number 5. The Bible says, And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. <clears throat> Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whither it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Listen, I've said this over and over, but I'll say it again. The Holy Spirit of God certainly works in the lives of people. But the strongest evidence of somebody, the Spirit of God working in somebody's life is you being involved in the salvation of other people's souls. Christ dwells in us. His spirit resides in us. 
And those people can go through their life and not be affected by the Word of God or the Spirit of God, but let a Christian show up on their door. Knock, 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 knock. I have a Bible verse for you. I have a track for you. I have a church broker, and I'd like to invite you out of church, and I want you to know that we're concerned about your soul. Guess what's involved there? The Spirit of God and the Word of God. You want to stay out of mischief? You don't want to grieve the Spirit of God? Then instead of trying to not do the things that you shouldn't do, get involved in the things that what? You should be doing. Like my little girls. If I don't give them some things to do when they come to church, <clears throat> I know they're going to be in trouble. I don't think they're going to be in trouble because they haven't got anything else to do. You want to keep yourself in line with what God's will is? You want to please your Heavenly Father, then you get involved in this powerful uh, effort to win souls. I, I have no doubt, as your pastor, that the track of the week thing is of God. I know it's of God. And you know it's of God. Your conscience constantly nags on you. And you can make all the excuses in the world, but you know that you do have opportunity. Not a lot, maybe. You hand out two tracks a day. You may have to sit out on your sidewalk. <laughs> Block the sidewalk. I don't know. Some way the Holy Spirit says you can do it if you really want to. Involved in the salvation of souls. Secondly, passionately aiding and supporting every believer. Take your Bibles and turn back <clears throat> to the teaching on Jesus taught on the work of the Holy Spirit. Chapter number 14, starting in verse number 20. The Bible says that, well, we'll have to back up because we'll have to keep it in context here. He says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that ye may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but because, not but, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you in a little while, yet a little while, the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am, in the, I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and I in you. So there's this breakdown that God gives us of how we're going to work as a church. How you're going to work in a family. I mean, you think about it, it's to, to have a home, and to have a godly home takes God in it, all right? I don't know another way to put it. Because if everybody acts on their own passions and feelings and emotions, and don't tell me that doesn't happen, it does a lot. And we need God to oversee and, 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 and undersee and in between see, helping us with aiding and supporting Listen, this is so important. 
You know, God knows what we are without him. He knows what kind of mischief we get in and how our feelings get involved, how did we get disappointed, and how that starts driving the way we think. He says, listen, I'm going to give you a sense of peace and rest. I'm going to be with you, guiding you, helping you, strengthening you to accomplish that amazing task of being like Christ. You think about it, he says he's going to be what? A comforter. <laughs> I think of a, and, and another way of putting it is a paraclete. He's an advocate. He's going to come alongside you. And even though you say, well, there's nothing in me, you can look to that resource, which is your comforter, and say, oh, Lord, what? Abba, Father. Daddy, help me. I'm struggling. <laughs> How many of you moms say, I struggle to be a mom I really do. I mean, I just, I know what I should be, and I know how I need to be, but at times, they want to make me pull my hair out, right? And you say, wow, I, I, you can just stop. You can think of, I, I, I love the story of uh, uh, the Wesley uh, mother, John Wesley and Charles Wesley's mom, wasn't it? Now, Suzanne Wesley. And then she had, what did they have? How many kids they had? Twelve kids. Wow, you, some of you think we got five. Four. And she'd literally be in the middle of raising these kids, and, and she'd need the Lord. They say she'd let raise her apron, that apron up over her head, and just start praying. <laughs> Didn't have a prayer closet, she had an apron closet. Twelve kids, I think I'd have one too. I'd wear an apron just so I could have them. But listen, you have... Passionate. I love. I just think of the idea that the Holy Spirit isn't a, a maxadaisical and indifferent. And man, He's passionately. He's going to change the way you think and the way you act that you might have that kind of heart, that kind of passion. Notice as I as I finished up in verse twenty, at that day you shall know. I like that, don't you? At that day you shall know that. <coughs> I am in the, my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Man, you've got, you got something going on. You're not doing it by yourself. God has given me some neighbors. I've had more interaction with these neighbors, I guess maybe because I'm, I've spent a lot more time around the house. And God love them. <clears throat> They're a challenge. Right. And I, and Debbie will look out the window and say, your friend's coming. And he is a friend. And he's got lots of issues going on. But he looks to me and he said, and I literally, in my mind, I say, oh, Lord, you know, I, <laughs> how many have been like that? I, you want to move on? You want to keep things you want to, and the Lord says, no, just take some time Yesterday took a lot of time, like three hours. <laughs> God loves him. You know, God told me that. God loves him. I died for him. You have no reason not to be patient and passionately caring about him and his needs. And I guess that's what he sees. Look in chapter number 15, if you will, verse number 4. <clears throat> 
He said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you what? Abide in me. Say you want to produce a godly lifestyle, a godly manner, deportment. You got to let the Holy Spirit have His liberty in your life. That means you can't shun what He wants to do. You can't put off what He wants you to do. The Lord Jesus Christ is involved in souls. If you want the Lord to work in your life, and you want to don't want to grieve Him, and you say whatever you will, Lord, whatever you want, and it may require you some time, it may require money. And if don't have money, it'll be time. Energy. It may be that you'll have to change the way you think, the way you act. Guess what? You will not be grieving him because why? You're aiding and supporting every believer and even non-believers. So we have to divide the, define a little bit of this idea of comforter. One who administers comfort or consolation. One who strengthens and supports the mind in distress or danger. That's a comfort. That's what he is for you. And guess what? That's what you will be for what? Others. Get it? You're not just uh, taking on this comfort for your little self. You're taking this comfort on for the needs of others. God is going to support you, encourage you, bless you, overcome. Guess what? You've got a selfish nature. How many of you know that? How much it's all about me and it's all about mine? This is not just about you. You're aiding and supporting others. He's got a comfort for you, but you're going to be a comfort to others. Given the title, as it says in the latter part of this definition of the Holy Spirit. Good way to look at it. So we're going to look at some of these things. <clears throat> Passionately comforting and aiding. What does that mean? It's a big deal. It's a big part of what you do to keep from grieving the Holy Spirit. If you neglect it, guess what? You're neglecting what God wants to accomplish through you. Look with me in verse number, chapter 14, and verse number 16. Granting a sense of security. People ought to feel that you're a worthy person to be trusted. By the way, that's one, one thing that guy keeps saying. I, I know I can trust you. I don't know how he knows he can trust me. They hear him talk, he don't trust nobody. But for whatever reason, he trusts me. Well, you know, that ought to be, there ought to be a sense of security. Look what it says in verse number 16. And I'll pray, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for what? Ever. The Holy Spirit of God will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And listen, the only way I see out of a relationship with others is when you're being an advocate for the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes people will just go away. <laughs> You're trying to warn them about the wrath to come. You're trying to warn them about sin. 
lot of times if they really do trust you and believe in you, then what you're saying to them, they understand to be true. Sometimes they won't run. They'll be saying, here's somebody that's not afraid to say the truth. So there's a sense of security. If your neighbors ought to abide by you, they know that uh, a so-and-so lives by us, and I don't have to worry about them because they're always going to do right. Your children need to know that about you. For you that sometimes struggle with keeping an even keel on your controls, on your emotions, the Holy Spirit of God takes over, and he has the ability to undergird you and strengthen you to the point that no matter what happens, you keep it under control. I didn't always used to be in my life. People don't <clears throat> realize I had a nasty temper. Oh, it was nasty. My mother used to say, you better get a hold of that. And I really didn't get a really good hold of it until after I got saved. Remember when I was young, I got so angry at my brother. I couldn't stand to lose. I was boy, I was just, my brother and sister started running. You know, because I'd throw, I'd lose it. But listen, the Holy Spirit of God, there's a sense of security. Let's look at another one. Not only is there a sense of security, there's generating respect. Look in verse number 17. <clears throat> Even the Spirit of truth. You need to underline that in the Bible. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. You know, that's one of the things that the more you read and study your Bible, the more you memorize the word, the more you apply the things that you've learned, listen, People respect somebody that is godly. You know, people want to find somebody that's godly. They look for people that are godly. The desire of God is that you have a testimony that's worth emulating. That means copying. It ought to be your kids look at you and they want to emulate you. Guess what they first pick up? They don't always emulate the good thing. They emulate the what? Oh, they pick that up right away. Boy, they like, they like that emotion that they see in you. And boy, they think, man, I feel that too. And I'm going to act that on that. <laughs> but when they see you respond in a, in a good manner, in a godly manner, that's not so easy for them, is it? And they look at you and they wonder, how are you able to maintain that godly heart and godly spirit? And by the way, they'll know that anytime they step out of that, that realm, that they've done wrong. You want people to be able to emulate you and desire to emulate you. But where do you get that? It's a spirit of truth. That means anything that's not of the truth is not of God. Any thought that comes into your mind that's not of the truth is not of God. Any action that you do, any place you go is not of the truth. 
didn't come from the Bible. I'll give you the third thing. <clears throat> Not only security, but generating respect, but noticeably, genu generously being charitable in the lifestyle, charitable lifestyle of others first. This is this is not done without God's wisdom. We are naturally selfish and self-centered. That's just who we are. And it really does take the Spirit of God. And I, I've said this with you before, but I want you to see again that at that day, You start stepping out of your selfish inner desire. And you say, no, you know what? It's not what I need. It's what others need. It's not what I want. It's what others desire. That's putting others first. You see, the Holy Spirit is all about that. And so let's say you just say, well, I, I'm getting tired of waiting on everybody else. How many ever gotten tired of waiting on somebody else? You just get, you know, okay, it's my day, you know. And you just get weary of it. My wife's even said, well, this, you just want some time by yourself. <laughs> she can read me like a book sometimes. No, I don't want no time by myself. It ought to be that what they read is you really want to be with others. You really want to help others. Look at 18. We'll read those verses again. It says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet in a little while the world seeth me no, but you see me. Because I live, you shall what? You know, life, as God sees it, is through the Holy Spirit. Life that you want to really have, it says that you'll have life and have it more abundantly, the Bible talks about. What is that abundant life? Having more for yourself? Is it? Or having more of yourself for others? You know, when you can get over yourself, the Holy Spirit has a big job. But once the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to overcome yourself, you know what? You're going to be a happy person. You're going to be content. Because you know what? When you're serving yourself, are you content? When you're serving yourself, you want to keep doing what? Serving yourself. You want more because you can never be satisfied. But when you've died to self, and self no more has demand over you and your desires, then all of a sudden you overcome this person and you begin to look around. How I many like to make folks happy, smile? When you can do something for somebody else, and you say, well, you know, they just... They were happy. Brought a little joy into their life. 
And you know, when you can do that, is that satisfying? Oh, man, is it satisfying. Man, you could, you could bring and you could, and you could be selfish and draw in for yourself. But boy, let me say something. <clears throat> On Saturday mornings, I'm very selfish. I'm selfish in the morning. I know 10 o'clock. I know, man, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take two, three hours and <clears throat> hand out some gospel tracts. And I get here and we get all our little packets made up that we're going to hand out. And I start to knock on that first door and the second door and the third door and the fourth door. Finally I get through and boy when I get done and I, and I, and I come back to the church. We couldn't get back to the church because of the parade. But when I get back to church, and boy I just feel so good. I just, man, I just feel like I did what God wanted me to do. We had met a man, and I, I asked you to pray for him, named Paul, yesterday. And I uh, visited at the door with him for, well, I suppose maybe 15 minutes. And, uh, and he's one of those individuals that he's hard to get away from. The more you talk to him, the more he, he wanted to share with you. And finally, we uh, finished up our conversation time with him. And Debbie says, you know what? He's just a lonely man. You know, and I choose right. You know, there's people out there that are hurting. There's people out there that need what you and I have. Boy, you know, you can heap to yourself and heap to yourself. But boy, when you can give away something, it's glorious. It's exciting. Say, God was in that. The Holy Spirit was working. By the way, I, he's, uh, I say pray for him. He said he had a stroke several years ago. He said, it's very hard. He said, you ought to watch me. Very humble, man. He, he made some remark about how he walked he, like a zombie or something because he was all over the place. And uh, and I said something. I said, well, you know, I'm sure that we can work it out where we can come down and somebody bring me to church if you'd like. He said, you know, he says, I think that's his best. What am I saying to you, folks? You don't want to grieve God? Look at it this way. When you grieve God, you grieve yourself. When you grieve God, you're not happy yourself. You're not content yourself. So I choose today to say, listen, why? Why would I want to uh, 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 undermine what the Holy Spirit's trying to do to bring comfort into my life and recognize the purpose of my life is not for me, for others. Comfort, aiding, and supporting every believer. Take your Bible and look in verse number 21. Verse number 21. It says, He that hath my commands and keepeth them, he that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judah said to him, Not a spirit. Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us, but not unto the world? 
Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken to you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things in your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. I want you to read the next verse. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. No. Right saying, but really, what does the world need? Some people may not realize it, but when you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you're others minded, in reality, you're loving them. You're loving them not through you. influenced in this world by God is the people that we somehow build relationships with. Now we're going to hand out tracts and we can preach on the street. Let me say this. you got to love folks all the time. That neighbor, you got to love them all the time. That person that you see in the store Better put a smile on your face. Be kind to them. We always talk about customer service, right? That's a big deal in your field. Everybody, I mean, know what customer service? Big deal, right? It's the demeanor that you put on when, when your customer is in front of you, and how you receive them, and how much you want to please them, and what you want to do to help. realize you and I operate the biggest customer service detail in the world. Every lost and saved person in your life is your customer. You're dealing with them as a representative of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And if you misrepresent who Christ is. How I many of you get in moods? Oh, come on. You get in those, down those funks, you know, and you just kind of, you know, you just, ah. You know what? You better ask God to get you out of that. You don't have the, the liberty to be in some kind of a dumpy, grumpy, bad mood. Because you represented the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He gives you his Holy Spirit to get you through that and past that so that you can love every individual God puts in your life very, very consistently. Some people are easy to love. How many know what I'm talking about? They're easy to love. 
others, not so much. They're, they're, I call them hard cases. Guess what? You're going to love them just like the ones that are easy. If you find it hard, then you get on your knees and you ask the Lord, let me gently and consistently demonstrate impartial love to every person I meet. How about that person that's homeless? Find that kind of hard? They want a handout. They want money. They're probably going to go booze it up. You better treat them with respect in order that you might bring what? Truth to them. Gently. Give them the opportunity that you'd give somebody that's easy to love. You are. Let me say it again. You are the Holy Spirit to them. You are demonstrating Christ to them. And the only way to do that is not some facade that you put on. Not some kind of, you're just going to put on some kind of act. You say, oh God, I don't want to be like I normally am. I want to love folks through you. I want your strength. I want your grace. Instead of looking on them like they're there's something uh, uh, different. You can look on them and say, I'm going to love you with Christ. Bob Dunn, folks. We're back to that op the objectivity of the Holy Spirit. He's powerfully bringing about new birth. He's passionately aiding and supporting every believer. Lastly, persistently dedicated to the divine call. I, uh, <clears throat> I was, I think I was talking to my wife this week. Brother, what's, we sing a song, Loyalty to Christ. I can't remember how the lyrics go. Can you, if you can find that, it's in your hymn book. If you get it, it'd be worth us reading it. What is loyalty? What's the word loyalty to mean? You say, I'm loyal to my family. I'm loyal to my job. Right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm loyal to my cubs. I know you're pretty disappointed. You got it? You find it? More away. Listen, I, 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 the song just stuck in my head. I know it's not scripture, but it's definitely, I think, driven by scripture. says, <clears throat> you're following along from over hill and plain, there comes a signal strain, just loyalty, loyalty, loyalty to Christ. Its music rolls along, the hills take up the song, loyalty, loyalty, yes, loyalty to Christ. Oh, hear ye brave the sound that moves the earth around, just loyalty, loyalty, loyalty to Christ. Rise to dare and do, bring out the watchword true of loyalty, loyalty, yes, loyalty to Christ. Come join our loyal throng, we rout the giant wrong. Disloyalty, disloyalty, loyalty to Christ. Where Satan's banners float, we'll send the bugle note of 
loyalty. Loyalty, yes, loyalty to Christ. The strength of youth we lay at Jesus' feet today. Yes, loyalty, loyalty, loyalty to Christ. His gospel will proclaim throughout the world domain of loyalty, loyalty, yes, loyalty to Christ. <clears throat> we see this persistently dedicated to the divine cause. What is this about? When it comes to reading the word of God and praying, can you raise your hand and say, I'm loyal to Christ? Faithfully. Listen to me. Faithfully. Knowing it is the mind of God, the heart of God, the spirit of God. I need to be a witness one way or another each week. Are you loyal to Christ? Loyal. Dedicated. God's church, I have a responsibility. I am part of the body of Christ. This is my church. I'm a part of the arm, the leg, the ear, the nose, but I'm a part of this church. He's the head. Are you loyal? Are you a part of it? Do you give to it? Do you pray for it? Do you try to build it up? John 16, as we close, good verse. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth is expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will prove the world of sin and of righteousness and of the judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And you see me no more of judgment. Because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say. And you cannot bear them now. How be it when he the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. Whatever he shall hear that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. shall glorify me. For he shall not receive mine, he shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath, my, that hath are mine. Therefore I said unto you, he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. And a little while you shall see me, and again a little while you shall see me, and a little while you shall see me because I go to the Father. a description of the Holy Spirit of God. Dedicated to this cause. Let me ask you this morning. If you've got the Holy Spirit of God, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. And there's a degree of loyalty that says that when he's come, he's going to do these things. Reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, of the judgment to come. 
That means there's going to be a consistency that says that, that there's a, a reality of sin in this world. And people are dying and going to hell. And the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness. But if you're not loyal, let me just say this. You skew that message. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean you're, you're saying one thing, but your life demonstrates something totally different. You cannot be both fresh and salt water. You're one or the other. But if Christ dwells in you, that consistency, let me say, the more consistent you are and persistent you are, the more the truth of the reality of Christ in this world is with everybody around you. How many of you think that people need to see the work of the Holy Spirit around them? How about that person that's next door? How about that person you work with? I thank God. I, I had a, I, somebody asked me this week about the guy that was instrumental in leading me to Christ. Ron Frills. Don't forget that. And there's one thing I knew about him. He was, he was not dedicated to his job <laughs> like, a, like, a, like most people think you would be. But I'll tell you one thing. He was dedicated to Christ. I never knew what it meant to get up and proclaim Christ. I remember him getting up in the cafeteria. I worked for Kraft Foods, 20 years almost. And I became his friend. I remember him getting up almost consistently, at least two or three times a week. He'd get up, he had a half an hour lunch, and he'd get up and he'd preach a little sermon in the middle of the cafeteria. And I was just, I'd be sitting right next to him. And I just kind of hit my head. My goodness. Embarrassing me to death. But he was loyal to Christ. Loyal to Christ. Who are you loyal to? Who are you loyal to? Are you loyal to yourself? Or are you loyal to him? That's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. had this inscribed or painted on the top of our church bus when we first had it. This was a verse that God gave me a long time ago. You look at it in your Bible, you can look it up here. Now the Lord is that spirit. And the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? You want the Holy Spirit to liberate yourself family, if you want him to liberate those folks that you say you love, then the worst thing you can do is say, listen, I'm not going to grieve God anymore. I'm not going to grieve him. I want him to liberate my life and the lives of people I love.
heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. Please. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. This is decision time. This is where you say to God, God, I, I do not want to live another moment where somehow I'm not following you and obeying you. And somehow I'm really kind of grieving you. Here the day you say, Pastor, heads bowed and eyes closed. Please pray for me. I just want to be liberated. I just want to please God in my daily life. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. And here today you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm still struggling with this idea of I'm not certain about my salvation. I'm not certain. Holy Spirit dwells with me. I want you to keep praying for me, Pastor. Not to lift your hand and say, Pastor, just pray for me. Thank you. Anybody else? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. i just so thankful <clears throat> for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for dwelling in me, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father. Lord, on behalf of this church, for guiding us and for helping us and for being so persistent, Father. <clears throat> and even now, Father, I ask that you forgive me and others that have just missed the mark here and have saddened you and warned over the fact that, Father, we've fallen short of what you can do and want to do and desire to do in each one of us. Father, I pray for those that are still struggling with the certainty of their salvation. Please, Lord, I know you love them. And I know that you died for them. And I pray, Father, to bring them to that place of repentance and surrender of their life completely to you. For what you did for them on the cross that nobody else could ever have done. Lord, please. Father, I pray you just bless this invitation with decisions that might need to be made. Help every person, Lord, that this next week might be difficult. That you have a, a, a liberty in our lives that you might be able to liberate others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.